Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Well, another pivotal budget looms tomorrow. Uh, That's certainly one headline that I read today, but it seems like every year, almost every budget speech over the past decade has been called a pivotal or a make or break or, or something similar. And yet the great pivot never seems to happen, except for a brief post-COVID commodity boom. A decisive change in the country's fiscal dynamics has yet to really materialise in any meaningful way. So to preview tomorrow's budget, I'm joined now by Mpo Molopiane, who's Executive Chief Economist at Alex Forbes. Uh, Mpo, welcome. I would not want uh, the finance minister's job for what's left in the GFEC account how are you doing i'm good and you michael <laughs> i'm very good i'm very good very interesting uh, times that we're living in and uh, um let's just set the scene here for the big budget tomorrow considering firstly this recurrent characterization of south africa's budget speech as pivotal without really seeing the anticipated significant changes to get us into a surplus what factors do you think have prevented the decisive fiscal adjustments over the last decade I think the macroeconomic backdrop has been the most challenging and the commodities boom has also been quite short-lived. So let me expand a bit on the macroeconomic backdrop. So if you look at growth, if you look at long, long-term long growth, and if you look at it from 2000, so between 2000 and um, 2008, just you know before the global financial crisis, growth in South Africa averaged about 3.6%. Post that uh, GFC period, uh, you know, from 2009 uh, to about, uh, you know, just before COVID, growth in South Africa then averaged about 1.6%. And, you know, this year we're talking about growth averaging about 0.6%. So we've been on this steady decline in terms of growth and growth has not kept up with population growth so from the fiscal side there's been spending pressures from that perspective because um social um social spending has had to keep up with a growing population but growth has not kept up with that growing population and where that growth that low growth environment has fed uh, fit in is through lower tax revenue growth. So South Africa generally does well. You know we've we've benefited um, particularly, you know, of of recent in that commodities boom. But you know now that commodities were mostly on a decline in 2023, we've now begun to feel that pinch again. And you know it just really speaks to our structural issues around a low growth environment. And, you know, that's why the finance minister really finds himself in a very difficult um, situation uh, tomorrow, in a very difficult position tomorrow, because growth, you know, has again disappointed. We no longer have the commodities boom, um, you know, so that 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 uh, revenue space that we have has um, certainly receded. And that's why we find ourselves in this uh, difficult space where expenditure, or rather the deficit and the debt to GDP trajectory has been on this upward um, trend uh, mm. because low growth has hit our revenue, um, you know, 
and 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 that has essentially exacerbated the 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 pressures on the fiscus and you know it's it's one of those things when you look at a household budget if you are having to uh if your income is not keeping up and you're having to put money on the credit card and you're having to borrow ever greater sums in order to invest in groceries not to invest in your own education so you can earn more in the future that you get caught in a bit of a a, a debt trap or a debt spiral and if you look at the debt side uh, budget projections have shown that for every one rand that the government spends the amount that is spent on debt has re- it was around seven cents i think in 2009 to the last budget had it around 22 cents out of every rand that's just what we're spending to cover the interest on what we borrow so uh, things certainly have to change what are you expecting on on the expenditure side so you know let's put the growth conversation to one side for a moment and we'll come back to it because i think there are some key things clearly that the government can do to try and spur growth despite the the global macro environment but on the expenditure front, is there anywhere that you can see this administration cutting back, given the demands on a social relief of distress grant and uh, maybe the government wage bill? We, we've tended to overshoot on that in previous budgets as well. Is there any area where you can see Finance Minister Gorongwana extracting some savings in this budget? You know, Michael, I think this is going to be very difficult going forward. Um, you know, there's really, really little juice for him to speak, um, honestly, in, in terms of cutting the expenditure side. So even putting your grants aside, if you just look at, you know, the communication from Treasury over the you know past couple of years, over the past five good years, Treasury has been talking about reorientating the expenditure mix. So they themselves realize that a large portion of expenditure is going towards what we call current and immediate expenditure. So it's not going towards growth-inducing expenditure. So you'd want expenditure to go towards particularly infrastructure spending. But because of you know several issues, one being corruption at the municipality level, but also a lack of skills, at a, a municipal level to carry out those infrastructure projects. We've actually had money coming back to the fiscus on the infrastructure side. And, you know, that understanding on the infrastructure side has then sort of ups- offset the overspending that we've seen in your more recurrent expenditure. So, you know, in terms of where he can cut, um, it, it has to be on the wage bill. I think there's several studies that have shown that South Africa spends quite a significant proportion on the wage bill compared to peer countries. One of the things that government has talked about is, um, you know, they've, they've talked about putting a cap on replacing people that leave. So they've talked about, um, you know, being able to reorientate expenditure using natural attrition. Mm. But the problem is when that's not targeted, it leads to pressures in departments that are client facing. So in health, in education, in the police. Mm. And that's the most difficult challenge that, you know, your administrative staff, your, you know, less critical staff, they're not leaving. And they also don't want early retirement. 
Um, so, so it then becomes very difficult for, for for National Treasury to then carry out, you know, these expenditure cuts which they've promised us over and over again. And you know, it's 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 for that reason that we think that fiscal consolidation from here on it's going to lose steam because on the expenditure side there isn't much that uh, the the minister can do. Yeah. Whereas on the revenue side, we no longer have the commodities windfall. Exactly, which makes it so tough. And uh, I agree with you on the public sector wage bill, because if you look at it, in fact, there's been under budgeting by Treasury because of some of the agreements that have been struck um, since uh, last year's budget and through the, the interim period. And uh, you chat to organized labor. I have Matthew Parks of Casato on the show. And and they're also quite critical of the composition of the public sector, saying they're just far too many senior level bureaucrats earning a million plus, not really adding much value. Uh, whereas we could probably have more to your point, client facing doctors, nurses, uh, policemen and women, you know, really uh, civil servants that we so desperately need. So it's also the composition of, of the, the public sector, very difficult to do in an election year. So that means he's going to have to find uh, extra revenue from somewhere. Where do you think he's going to be looking? Is he going to be plucking the personal income tax goose? Where do you see that extra revenue coming from him, Paul? Again, you know, given an election year, very difficult for him to squeeze the juice there on the tax side, right? So I'm I'm not expecting any major tax increases. I mean, I don't even think they'll even be bold enough to increase the fuel levy, which, you know, tends to be quite an easy win for them. But what the minister did highlight in the in last year's October's budget, he indicated he, he talked about 15 billion of um, revenue measures which are likely to be implemented. And if you just look at historically where they can get that 15, 15 billion, it's likely going to come from uh, personal income tax, but not through an increase in the tax rate, but rather through the tax brackets not being fully adjusted for inflation. Um, so something that we of, often refer to as you know, fiscal drag. So they're likely going to provide partial fiscal drag. So your your lower income earners are likely to get that, you know, inflation adjusted, um, you know, the, the inflation adjustment in the uh, tax brackets. But your um, high earning individuals are unlikely to get um, full inflation relief. So, you know, that's likely to be, a, tax brackets in the high end are likely to be adjusted by, you know, just two and a half. And through that, National Treasury can get that um, 15 billion extra, which it was talking about. Right. So, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's a lot uh, more palatable initially where you think, oh, well, he hasn't increased tax rates, uh, but he hasn't adjusted those brackets to account for inflation as well. So, uh, I mean, you are ultimately as a consumer going to be a little bit more out of pocket than you would have been ordinarily. But then there's also this uh, this. What is it called? The Gold and Foreign Exchange Contingency Reserve Account. The acronym is terrible. The GFECRA, as it's called. And there's been a lot of speculation about um, using this to alleviate funding concerns. Firstly, what is the Gold and Foreign Exchange Contingency Reserve Account with the Reserve Bank? And uh, could we see the monetization of some of its unrealized profits uh, coming to the rescue? 
Yeah, that's, you know, the most topical thing. That's what everybody's talking about. And, you know, that discussion is coming up given the fiscal strain that the country is in. You know, there's just so much pressure. There's no much squeezing that can be done on the expenditure side. There's not much squeezing that can be done on the tech side. So the natural question is, okay, where else can we look now? And, you know, it has we've now pointed to the country's gold and foreign reserves. So essentially, if you think about it, each and every country holds um, foreign currency reserves, gold and foreign currency reserves, uh, because of its foreign currency liabilities. So if you look at government debt, a portion of it is local currency and a portion of it is um, foreign currency. So we then hold, the country then holds foreign currency reserves and, and gold to be able to meet its international liabilities, external um, li- li- liabilities and insulate itself from major market moves, you know, from major um, with withdrawal of capital in the economy. And that's one of the reasons why we keep those reserves. So the the question has come up to say that the value of the reserves um, have somewhat increased and that's reflected as a profit. But it's not actual profit. It reflects as a profit because the rand dollar amount that the reserves were bought at versus the rand dollar amount today makes it seem that the value of those uh, uh, reserves have increased and that's then reported as a profit on the South African Reserves Bank uh, balance sheet. So that's how the discussion has come about. So at the moment um, there's estimates that those reserves or profits, the the profits in particular are estimated at about 500 billion and there's talks to say that you know just given the fiscal strain, can some of the money be tapped to you know to to pay back uh, some of the debt um when it's uh, due for redemption or to service the debt or even as an outright injection into the fiscus you know you know as i've indicated this becomes quite problematic because you know i've highlighted that it's it's not actually actual profits it's because of you know the exchange rate that you, you are seeing those profits so the concern is that if the currency were to gain ground and appreciate, those profits can quickly become uh, losses. So that's where the discussion is at now. But mm. certainly, you know, the Reserve Bank is an outlier in terms of, you know, when you compare it to other emerging markets in terms of how it treats um, the Jafekra account. Um, so there's, there's definitely discussions at the moment going on between the National Treasury and the Reserve Bank to see how those profits and losses can be treated going forward. Because if you're going to tap into those profits, you also need to have systems and processes in place when they turn into losses to say how yeah. you then to um, top them up.
Uh, and also, I mean, it probably might be a, a good short-term sugar rush, but it doesn't deal with the medium to long-term issues uh, because if, if if you're just selling those and, and realizing a profit um, at the time, if you can, it does diminish your ability uh, and reduce your level of currency reserves. Uh, so it it reduces your ability to support the RAND in, in future. And so it does increase some medium to long-term fragility. But the major thing for me would be it really just kicks the can down the road. For us to get a, a hold of our fiscal situation, to your earlier and first point, we really need to get growth going. I mean, it's got to be growth above all else. So if you were edifying Enoch, if you were giving a tip to the finance minister into his fedora to say, Mr. Finance Minister, these are the things I would like you to do to restore investor confidence in the fiscal outlook and get growth going again, as much as he can, because we must remember that he also can't do everything. Uh, much of it uh, relies on his cabinet colleagues doing their jobs as well what would you like to see the finance minister do tomorrow to reignite investor confidence around the growth outlook i think you know on top of everyone's mind is soes because if you also think about our um, growth issues you know it's because of a record amount of load shedding, um, you know, which we experienced over the past couple of years. Uh, we're now starting to solve for that. You know, the private sector is playing quite an active role in also trying to insulate itself. Um, but while we're trying to fix XCOM, Transnet is now off the rails. The country's rails and pods are now, you know, quite efficient and uncompetitive and are hindering growth. So I think we really need to get our ducks in a row when it comes to SOEs, given the pivotal role that they play in the economy. We need to get them functional again, and it needs to be a quick turnaround. I mean, you know, we appreciate that we are now in a turnaround environment, but it's been very gradual. And I don't think South Africa can afford to go any more gradual. So I think mm -hmm. a quick turnaround strategy when it comes to SOEs is definitely something that would boost investor confidence. There you have it. Mpo Molopiane, Executive Chief Economist at Alex Forbes. Edifying Enoch for some speed, please, Mr. Minister, with uh, the turnaround of our SOEs and uh, giving us her big budget preview here on Classic Business. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.